Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, not surprisingly, Americans turned to online shopping in record numbers last year. Can the traditional business model survive COVID-19? Also this morning, after the president's address to Congress last night, Senator Sherrod Brown discusses the economic impact his Build America, Buy America Act would have when paired with that giant infrastructure plan President Biden has proposed. In our ongoing Keeping the Faith segment this morning, you are the primary spiritual influence in the lives of your children. The whole story for the whole family is a devotional that can help turn that overwhelming responsibility into a fulfilling blessing. And happening around town, we'll preview this weekend's Springtime in Ohio Arts and Crafts Show. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, April 29th, 2021. Today is International Dance Day, by the way. So, there you go. Uh, Dance in the rain today. National Shrimp Scampi Day. It is Thank You Thursday, Viral Video Day, World Wish Day, and it is Zipper Day. Which, I mean, if there's anything that deserves its own special day, it is the zipper. Where would we be without it? I mean, think about it. Running around with our flies open because we wouldn't have zippers. Anyway, happy uh, Thursday to you. Uh, So did you watch the address, the presidential address to Congress uh, last night? Um, Not a State of the Union address, because we don't call it that in the first year of a new presidency, but it had the uh, look and feel, obviously, of a of a State of the Union address, with one exception, the uh, chamber uh, joint session of Congress, not uh, not full There's only about a third full. Um, so had a very different vibe to it in that respect. But uh, here's this kind of interesting. In case you uh, in case you missed it, the State of the Union address or the President's address to Congress uh, is usually a long. It's usually a lengthy speech. But if President Biden's seemed particularly lengthy to you last night. You are not wrong. The uh, speech was two seconds short of one hour and five minutes. Historically long. Uh, according to C-SPAN, this is historically long by the standard of a new president. Speech by a new president. Uh, C-SPAN tweeted a picture of a notebook page with a length of the president's first address to a joint session of Congress. Uh, each first address for a president since Ronald Reagan. And Biden's was the longest. Uh, The count showed that uh, except for George W. Bush, they have gotten progressively longer since Reagan as well. Reagan's first address, 1981, was 32 minutes, 40 seconds. Pretty brief by State of the Union type speech standards. George H.W. Bush's first address to Congress in 1989, 42 minutes and 13 seconds. Bill Clinton's was one hour and six seconds. George W. Bush in 2001 was 49 minutes and 10 seconds. So you kind of cut it back a little bit. Barack Obama's was 51 minutes and 37 seconds. Donald Trump's in 2017, one hour and 12 seconds. And Biden's last night, one hour, four minutes and 58 seconds. So historically long. Um, and apparently, the president was well aware that his speech was as long as longer than any modern president's first address to Congress in history, because he ended the night last night by saying, "Thank you for your patience." <laughs> so, it was the uh, close of the speech. Thank you for your patience. So, anyway, kind of interesting. In case you missed it, uh, coming up a little bit later on. We're going to speak with uh, Senator Sherrod Brown. We'll give his take on uh, the president's first address to Congress. Um, but some of the other things that are worth talking about this morning, first things that you need to know. A new study suggests that gossip does not deserve its bad reputation. In fact, researchers at Dartmouth College suggest that it could be a good thing, idle gossip. They say it works to create social connections and can help people learn new things about a world that they haven't personally experienced. Scientists created an online game that involved players 
uh, getting money. Um, let's see here. It says uh, they created an online game that involves players getting $10 they could keep or invest in a group fund, which would multiply, and then uh, the uh, total savings would be divided equally among the six players. It was what scientists call a public good game that creates tension between selfish and cooperative players. In some instances, the game restricted information so players could only observe the could only observe the behavior of a couple of their teammates. And then during other games, players could privately chat with someone else in their group. When players had little information about their teammates' choices, more spontaneous conversations about others started, i.e. gossip. Uh, when players could see what everyone in their group was doing, talk was about a wider variety of neutral topics. Participants also relied on second-hand information coming from other players when they couldn't see what some teammates were doing for themselves. Again, gossip. Researchers say this shows how gossip helps people to learn from another person's experiences. Study authors added that players who could chat with each other felt more connected after the game. So, long and short of it is this. Gossip may not be such a bad thing. I, I would suggest that it would depend on what people are gossiping about. Uh, not so much gossip itself... But what makes it bad is what people are gossiping about. And the uh, research in this case didn't really get into that. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Here's another uh, interesting uh, set of data. We had a lot of data this morning. The president's speech, this uh, research into, into gossip. And now this Florida has been edged out. When it comes to lightning, meteorologists said the environmental monitoring company uh, Visala uh, found that Oklahoma has narrowly surpassed Florida for the most lightning flashes per square kilometer between 2016 and 2020. In that Florida, historically, the most lightning-prone state, but not anymore. Uh, in that period of time, from 2016 to 2020, 83.4 lightning events per square kilometer in Oklahoma compared to 82.8 in Florida. They also reported that two central Florida counties led the nation with an annual average of more than 159 lightning strikes per square kilometer. And uh, rounding out the top five states for lightning activity, Louisiana, Texas, and Arkansas. So it's Oklahoma, Florida, Louisiana, Texas, and Arkansas. Lightning striking in those states more than any other in the per per capita or per per square kilometer. Um, so it really would not be fair to compare like Rhode Island to California or something like that if you were just using raw numbers. So they adjust that for the uh, amount of land mass. But interesting nonetheless. Moving on. Um, oh, here is big news. As we come up on the uh, summer and grilling season right around the corner, seasoning brand McCormick has released its latest flavor trends report. They note that four pandemic-inspired flavor profiles are projected to be the next big thing for the coming years. Pandemic-inspired flavor profiles, they say. The first is called Plants Pushing Boundaries, <laughs> where they note that since plant-based food is popular now, meaty produce like trumpet mushrooms might make their way to the forefront along with colorful and vibrant veggies such as carrots and purple sweet potatoes. So that is uh, the first flavor profile. The next category is Humble Nosh which describes comfort food from across the globe and includes flavors such as those you find in uh, masala, chili crisp, uh, pandan, which uh, I guess takes, tastes a bit like vanilla. Okay. The third category is underwater underdiscovered. Refers to ingredients you find in the ocean like seaweed, algae, ugh, and even salt water. And the last category is psychological eating, which refers to foods and flavors influenced by ancient beliefs. 
The flavors here are heavily reliant on coriander, sea salt, lemon, turmeric, cumin, and ginger. So those are the flavor profiles of the year from McCormick. I feel, I feel so well-informed now. I, <clears throat> and there's right flavor profiles. And finally, among the uh, first things you need to know this morning, and this is big news, Microsoft is planning to introduce a new default font for their uh, office suite of products. For the first time in nearly 15 years, the tech giant announced it is moving on from Calibri, which has been used across Microsoft Office products since 2007 when it replaced Times New Roman as the default font. So when you fire up uh, a document in Microsoft Office or um, if you are working in a, a spreadsheet or you're even uh, using an email, uh, the default font is Calibri. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but since 2007, it's been Calibri. Uh, before that, it was Times New Roman. And now, Microsoft says they want to get your help in selecting from five new fonts to be the new default for their Office products. Uh, Tenorite, Beerstadt, Skeena, Seaford, and Grandview are the five finalists. You can hop on social media after viewing the new typefaces and tell them your favorite, as one of those will be the next default font for the Office suite of products. All of the new fonts will also be added to the menu uh, so that you can choose any of them. Of course, uh, users can set your own default, um, but the default default font will be one of those five. No word on when exactly this will take effect but big news yeah don't don't mess with people's fonts <laughs> you got to be careful messing with people's fonts uh, they get very uh very protective of those sometimes anyway there you go uh, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your thursday morning started wfin news i'm matt demchek the WTOL 11 first alert forecast, cloudy today with some showers and a high around 60, becoming partly cloudy tonight, a low 47. This is National Work Zone Awareness Week, and ODOT's Matt Bruning is asking drivers to pay better attention and to obey the state's move-over law. You know, these are men and women who have families at home they want to go home to every day at the end of their work day, just like all of us do. And all they ask while they work to keep you safe on the road is that you keep them safe by moving over and slowing down and paying attention when they're out there. He says already this year, more than 60 of their roadside work crews have been hit by drivers not paying attention. The Ohio Department of Health is easing COVID-19 restrictions for people who are fully vaccinated. The governor says Ohioans who are fully vaccinated can stop wearing masks outdoors in small public settings. He also says those fully vaccinated will no longer need to quarantine if exposed to somebody with COVID. The governor also signaled that he might reevaluate his 50 cases per 100,000 people benchmark for lifting all restrictions. The Ohio Department of Job and Family Services is putting out a scam warning for anybody filing unemployment claims. The agency says fake websites are being used to mirror the agency's official website to try and steal your personal information. ODJFS says to ignore all unsolicited text messages. Don't click on any links and emails or texts that look strange and log in each week to look over your personal information. That's ONN's Karina Nova reporting. While many colleges in Ohio will not be requiring people to be vaccinated against the coronavirus to return in the fall, some will. The University of Findlay says it will not require students or staff to be vaccinated for the fall semester. UF does, however, plan to continue making the vaccine available to those who want to receive it. Ohio State University, Ohio University, and the University of Cincinnati also say they have no plans to require the vaccination. However, schools such as Cleveland State and Kenyon College will require the vaccination. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
Well, when the pandemic hit last March and brick and mortar businesses were forced to close, Americans turned to online shopping in record numbers because in many cases, it was the only option they had. A lot of experts said this was the acceleration of a trend that was already underway. And if that's true, the question then becomes, can the traditional business model survive COVID-19? Renowned futurist Scott Steinberg joins us this morning. And how about that, Scott? Is the traditional brick and mortar business model on life support? I think it's actually coming off life support. We're seeing positive signs. The good news being that probably going forward, what we're going to see is a hybrid model. So brick and mortar will serve its purpose as with digital, but more and more businesses are going to be looking for ways to bridge the gap. And actually, if you think about it, 2020, a year of great change and upheaval for many businesses, but at the same time, change can be a powerful catalyst for growth and innovation as well. Yeah, it is interesting uh, because while we did see businesses close because they couldn't find ways to compete with the online retailers, we also saw during the pandemic a surge in entrepreneurism, a record number of new business startups. So the idea that the only ones who are going to be left standing through all of this are the Amazons and the Walmarts of the world, that is not true either. Oh, no. Oh, no. And in fact, as you pointed out, we actually saw more new businesses started in 2020 than at any point going back to 2004. And small businesses really can play on the margins where larger retailers or competitors tend to overlook either businesses that just aren't worth their time or trouble or in spaces where they can better serve local customers or more niche communities or provide more personalized customer service. And actually, if you look at, we, we teamed up recently with freelance marketplace Fiverr.com, one of many great resources for business owners to think about all the different types of services and solutions that they can now be tapping into online as they work to rebuild or grow their business that can help them pivot and play in these different opportunities. And by the way, they just released their small business needs index. And if you look at top online searches on the platform, you can see that entrepreneurs are already putting their creativity to work. So when you talk about uh, a hybrid model being the way forward, uh, in this digital age post-pandemic. What does that mean? Explain. Well, it means that you're going to be doing some of your interactions with customers online and some of them in real life. So people still want a human touch, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they need face-to-face with your salespeople when, in fact, they might be able to get most of that information off your website or by interacting with an artificially intelligent chatbot, which is so smart it can answer most of your questions and seems to be human. And by the way, we, we already see this manifesting. Like, I, I stopped by Best Buy the other day, and it's like, oh, well, you have a traditional cashier and retail checkout, but, you know, it was hopping the online order pickup section where you yeah. ordered your product online and then stopped by the store to grab it. That was where the real action was. So how do these local businesses, these local storefronts, these uh, small businesses, tap into that when we don't have the resources that a Best Buy or an Amazon has at their disposal? Sure. Well, there's all sorts of pay-as-you-go services and technology solutions that can help because most problems that you're looking to solve, thousands of other people have dealt with them and faced them, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. But like I was saying, there's also online marketplaces, freelance sites like Fiverr.com, where you can go to tap into all sorts of solutions. And if you look at the Small Business Needs Index data, What you see, for example, are five big global themes emerging about where entrepreneurs are focused. For one, right, they're looking for ways to rebuild their business or bounce back. They're also looking for ways to create digital storefronts. On top of it, they're looking for ways to take their creativity and passion and turn it into dollars. Fourth thing they're trying to do is find new business opportunities, start new business ventures easily. And fifth, they're also looking for ways to tap new and upcoming technologies to connect with customers and, again, You can do that now faster than ever before for less than ever before. Well, that was actually going to be uh, my next question. I mean, what do you say to those uh, business owners who just have no idea where to start in all of this? It is so foreign, so different than what they have been doing to this point that they're saying, where do I even start to know how to uh, explore and exploit uh, this opportunity? Well, the first thing you do is don't psych yourself out. Don't shoot yourself in the foot because if you think it's going to be time-consuming and difficult, then it will be. But what I'm saying is odds are you're not the only one to face these challenges, which means that somebody else has found a clever and cost-affordable way to solve that problem that you can then leverage to help yourself out. So, for example, if you were to go to fiverr.com slash small business needs, you'd see all sorts of tutorials and tips and tricks 
on how to do things like take pre-existing website or storefront templates and use those to take your business online and get up and running in a matter of minutes. So the bottom line is for business owners who are concerned, am I going to be able to compete in this new normal uh, after the dust settles of this pandemic? Uh, what we're saying is take a deep breath. It is possible and there is help out there to help you make that transition. Oh, absolutely. The world is changing at a head-spinning pace, so give yourself a little bit of a break. We've transformed 10 years in terms of business in the last 90 days alone. But at the same time, you have more tools, more solutions at your fingertips that are easier to use and more effortless than ever. The key is really just diving in and experimenting and not being afraid to outsource many traditional tasks like accounting or bookkeeping that would eat up a lot of your time so you can pull time back in to focus on big picture changes and objectives. There is an important point as well. Uh, in, in many respects, it's kind of like uh, what you doing again, what you did when you started up your business in the first place. You likely didn't know uh, everything that you know now, and so you're kind of starting over uh, in that respect. You did it once, you can do it again. Renowned futurist Scott Steinberg with us this morning talking about uh, the future of business post-pandemic. And you mentioned the website where folks can get uh, some of those resources and start learning. That's right. Yeah, it's fiber.com with two R's slash small business news. Scott, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Chris. Good luck to folks out there. By the way, it is worth mentioning on this same topic that the Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce has a couple of events coming up that also touch on many of these same topics. On May 4th, their Fresh Brewed Business program is uh, talking about preparing for a post-COVID world. Uh, Lydia Mahalik, former uh, Finley mayor and current director of the Ohio Development uh, Agency, will be the main speaker for that. And then on Wednesday, May 5th, there will be a workshop on small business marketing in the post-COVID era. You can learn more about uh, those uh, events the Finley Hancock County Chamber of Commerce at their website as well. It's uh, FinleyHancockChamber.com. We're working again, dreaming again, discovering again, and leading the world again. President Biden there from his address to Congress last night. Senator Sherrod Brown joins us uh, on the line this morning. And uh, briefly, Senator, your take on the uh, president's speech uh, last evening. I think the, I think America's on the way back. I see uh, an excitement. Is this the, the hall was three-fourths empty because of right. social distancing. So right. It was a little weird. But um, America's back. I, I love what the president said, that Wall Street didn't build the middle class Workers and unions built the middle class, and we're going to. He's running this government not by giving tax breaks to the rich and hope it trickles down, but by focusing on workers and the middle class and building the economy out that way. And that is that's music to my ears because it's how we bring Ohio back and this country back. The uh, president at one point last night said of his massive infrastructure plan that it will be guided by one principle, by American. And that would appear to support legislation that you and Senator Portman have introduced, bipartisan legislation that would require federal contractors to use materials made in the USA across the board in taxpayer-funded infrastructure and public works projects. It's about time because we hear all these Buy America provisions and there's all kinds of exceptions and waivers and exemptions. And Senator Portman and I are, are, are serious about this. We want this to apply to every federal dollar that's spent. That if I mean, occasionally, very rarely, we may not be able to find American made. But fundamentally, when we're building bridges and water and sewer systems and schools and, and bridges and highways and broadband, uh, we find American contractors, we find American businesses. These should be made by American workers. These are jobs that you shouldn't outsource and we won't outsource. And we do that with this infrastructure investment. It continues to pay dividends as workers in Fenley and Fremont and, and Toledo get the benefits of this. Your Build America Buy America Act combined with all of that infrastructure spending that the president wants to do could have a huge economic impact, no question. But that is only true if you can get the bill passed. Republicans have proposed a much narrower bill focusing on traditional infrastructure. Should the president make that deal, carve out that part as, as a start, and then work on the so-called human infrastructure part separately? 
Well, I think America wants to go big, and we've been, for 14 months, we've been straightjacketed as a country. I mean, I just talk to anybody in, in Fenley or in Tiffin or in Toledo or in Bowling Green or Cleveland, and people just want to get out and get moving, and I just think going big now on infrastructure, on, on the child tax credit, we're going to reduce the poverty rate in this country by 50% uh, on expanding public education so kids can go to school a year or two younger. Uh, all of those things will create opportunity, and I think people have waited long enough. We, we've seen these proposals have strong support, not just among people who voted for Biden last November, but among people who voted for Trump or didn't even vote last November. So we need to go big. Uh, I think this um, this thinking small and trickle-down economics just hasn't worked for our country. But there is a school of thought that this is so important that if you can do hundreds of billions of dollars worth of overdue roads, bridges, broadband projects, you should take that opportunity. Oh, we are. We're going to take that opportunity. I want, don't make no mistake, I want this to be bipartisan. But I also don't want Mitch McConnell, or me for that matter, to decide that or I to decide what's partisan and what's not partisan. It shouldn't be a bunch of U.S. senators. It should be what does the public want. The public wants us to go big. The public wants help on helping women go back to work by having enough daycare available. That's why so many women are out of the workplace now in this pandemic um, by fixing those bridges and highways, by investing in housing. A uh, quarter of people in this country who rent spend more than half their income on housing. One thing goes wrong and they're, they're evicted. I mean, we we need to we we need to go big. We can go big. It's what the public wants us to do. I'm hopeful that Republicans will want to go along. But the most important thing is to get it done, not to have a little um, little ceremony where everybody sits around singing kumbaya. Really quickly, uh, the president also touched on the fact that some people did very well financially over the past year, while many middle class Americans struggled. You will be holding a hearing later today of the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs, which you chair. Uh, it is a uh, hearing you have dubbed the dignity of work calling for changes in economic policy. Real quickly, what changes are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a higher minimum wage. We're talking about fixing the overtime rule so that some one, one woman we talked to was called management. She made 30000 a year. She was called management by her company. She was worked 60 hours. She didn't get a cent of overtime because they designated her management. Um, I want to fix those kinds of things. People people are working so hard in, in, in Hancock County and Seneca County and Putnam County and all over. They're working so hard, but they're not getting ahead. They're not getting much for it. So many people's income, the profits are up, executive compensations through the roof, but Wages have been flat, and my mission is that people get simple. That we reward work in this country better than we have. Uh, that hearing, by the way, will be live streamed for those who are interested. We will leave it there. Senator Brown, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Always, thanks. And now, time for our ongoing Keeping the Faith series. Did you? Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, uh, but it is very true that you are the primary spiritual influence in the lives of your children. Now just think about that. You take them to to Sunday school and to church and and all of that, and they have a number of uh, influences. But just like with respect to your child's education, and we've learned that over the course of the past year, you, mom and dad, are the primary spiritual influence in the lives of your children. That is a huge responsibility. And when you stop to think about that, uh, most of us probably, the next thought that crosses our minds is maybe I haven't done as good a job as I should have with respect to nurturing my child's sense of faith. Well, a new book called The Whole Story for the Whole Family is a devotional that can help turn that overwhelming responsibility, the parent's shoulder, into a fulfilling blessing instead. Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith. The American Bible Society reports less than one in 10 Americans use the Bible daily. Michael Kelly, who is with Lifeway Christian Resources, has created the whole story for the whole family, a devotional for parents to help their kids grow in their faith. So why is Bible engagement so low? 
part of it is uh, just our general attention spans are are lower. Uh, that it seems like right now, if you can't communicate something in about 200 characters or less, then people aren't interested in hearing it. And the Bible doesn't work like that. It's more like a crock pot instead of a microwave that you have to actually read and simmer in it in order to have your, your mind and your heart changed. So I think that's a big piece of it. Michael Kelly tells us the whole story for the whole family has been in the works for the past decade. It was really about our family's personal experience over the last 10 years. We've tried very consistently to read the Bible together and talk together about what it means. And I I wanted to try and create a tool for families that was an easy onboarding ramp for people who are just getting started in trying to read the Bible together as a family. Many times life can get in the way with all the modern day distractions. The hardest part of it was just getting started and just making a time and finding a tool that would would make it easy for us to do as a family. Uh, But then once you started doing it, we found uh, that conversations throughout the day around the Bible became much, much easier and much more natural because we had laid the groundwork every day in reading the Bible together and praying together. The daily use of the whole story for the whole family has had an impact on everyone in their house, including his young daughter. We were reading the story of Rahab in the book of Joshua. And of course, several weeks earlier, we had read about the Exodus, even in, in a six or seven-year-old's mind to see that she marked her window with something red that led to her safety. And that was essentially the same thing the Israelites did during the Exodus, that they too marked their doors with something red, and then eventually to be able to transition that to the blood of Jesus, which marks all of our lives and, and makes us safe from the judgment of God. It is those little moments that parents can enjoy. You get these little moments every once in a while. It certainly doesn't happen every day, but the Lord is so faithful to give you those little peeks into what he's doing in the lives of your kids that's really sustaining and encouraging as a parent to just help you keep going. Michael Kelly tells us this family devotional has had an impact on the next generation of young Christians in his house. We've come to the point now where our kids have done this long enough where each one of our children actually leads one of the one of the days a week. And and that's really, really encouraging too, is to see the kids realize I can actually read the Bible myself and not actually just read the Bible, but I can talk about it with other people. So hopefully, by God's grace, there's a generational impact that happens here too. This is for parents who understand the importance of the spiritual development of their children. Michael Kelly designed the whole story for the whole family with that person in mind. The people who I was thinking of were families, uh, particularly parents who had the desire to have a greater role in the spiritual development of their kids, but they just, they just need something to get started, uh, just something to help them pull the trigger initially. So I wanted to make sure that it was something that was simple, understandable, and achievable on a daily basis for parents. Kelly has a prayer for what impact the whole story for the whole family will have on those using the daily devotional. My prayer is that parents would look at this as a starting point, that they have a desire, that they know that it's the Lord's will for families to be together around God's Word, for parents to play an active role in their children's spiritual development. And they would pick this up not as a solution for it, but they would pick it up as a, as a tool that would help them live out what the, uh, the calling of God is on their lives as parents. Here's how to get more information. You can find me online, of course, on, on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, I also blog daily uh, at my website, which is Michael Kelly. You spell my last name, K-E-L-L-E-Y dot C-O. Uh, so they can find me there. And of course, the book is available through all outlets at, at Lifeway, at Amazon and other places as well. This is John Clemens reporting. I just love that. How cool is that? A, a family devotional for uh, those families who think you know, we need to do better uh, as a family, growing our faith together and building that in our children. It's called The Whole Story for the Whole Family. We have it linked up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Keeping the faith this morning. You remember earlier in the week we were talking about the number, growing number of people 
who are planting home gardens uh, over the uh, past year. A lot of people have taken that up, and there are many reasons for it. Obviously, concerns about nutritional value of the food that we buy, and obviously the food that you grow is uh, the healthiest for you. And then, of course, there are the economic considerations, given the uh, pandemic. Uh, And if you are a part of that growing crop, if you will, of gardening beginners this year, USDA contributor Gary Crawford has some advice for you from a gardening guru. It is today's Everyday Agriculture Report. Home and garden retailers are reporting a huge uptick far above normal years in sales of seeds and plants and garden supplies to people who for the first time ever are saying... Well, it might take a little more than that, but if you are among the many Americans who are trying your hand at growing some vegetables for the very first time, we have some expert advice, which is to get some expert advice. Every state in the United States has a wonderful extension service, and my first bit of advice would be tell people to use it. Particularly to find out what plants are the best for your area and when to plant them. This from Dennis Patton. He's a Kansas State University Extension Garden expert. He told us... The internet is full of scary advice, but if you go to your USDA Extension Service in your state or your county... You're going to get good research base, not some wives' tale or home remedy on gardening. So that's the first place to start is with good, solid research-based information through your land grant extension. Now, Dennis Patton's advice for newbies? Start simple. Start small. You know, you're not trying to hoard food for the winter. You're just trying to supplement your diet during the summer. Uh, Yes, some of us get a little uh, overly enthused to end up with far more work than we planned on, plus more produce than we know what to do with. And along that same start simple theme, Dennis says maybe we shouldn't start off clearing a special section of the yard for the garden or building raised beds and all of that. Instead, Dennis says just incorporate your vegetable plants into your traditional landscape. So instead of putting in a thick pack of petunias in the spring, put in some green beans uh, or take advantage of a spot where an overgrown shrub was. Take it out and put your tomato plants in there. And so do this kind of idea of incorporating the vegetables into your existing space until you know whether or not you're going to love it. Also, he says, remember, when we go back to school and work, we may not have the same amount of time to work a big garden. So just planting some vegetables in the normal landscape is a good idea. And then the other thing that's really been popular, and I've gotten more questions on this year, is growing vegetables in containers on your decks, patios, those type of things that really doesn't take uh, a plot of soil. And you can certainly grow a lot of veggies in various containers setting on the deck or patio. But again, contact your local extension service. They can get you a guide on what things will do well in your situation, considering how much sun that your yard or deck gets. Uh, These guides also let you know when to plant. So plant by plant, row by row, you can make that garden grow. This is Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Leading off today's odd and unusual side of the news, uh, brought to you, this uh, report uh, on the broken news, brought to you as a public service of Hancock County Veteran Services. Public service, we use that term (laughs) loosely. Uh, This is one of the more unusual vehicle thefts I think we've ever had in the broken news. State police in Maine say they responded to a report on Saturday morning. A woman called to say she was watching a man sitting in his truck near her home. He looked kind of suspicious, and apparently while while she was on the phone with police, the man started, got out of his truck, started running up and down the road, and then jumped in her Jeep Grand Cherokee in her driveway, stole it out of her driveway, and rammed it into his own truck (laughs) just down the road. When state troopers arrived, the man returned the Jeep to the woman's driveway, the now crashed Jeep to uh, to the woman's uh, driveway, jumped out of it, ran back to his own truck and jumped inside, and then refused to exit his now demolished vehicle. So the troopers, since the uh, truck was wrecked anyway, decided to break a window. (laughs) How much can you hurt it? And we're able to uh, pull 34-year-old Tony Dubak uh, out of the vehicle. Turns out he was already out on bail <laughs> to begin with. 
and now faces multiple charges, including aggravated criminal mischief. No word on why, on why he stole another person's Jeep only to crash it into his own truck. That's... <laughs> Uh, I would guess, and it doesn't say here, but I'm thinking maybe some sort of intoxicating substance might have been involved. The report doesn't say that, but I think it's safe to assume. Uh, a little closer to home in the broken news, Lodi Township, Michigan, uh, Wayne Lambarth says his farmer neighbor and he have been having a property dispute for a number of for a number of years, this has been an ongoing dispute between these neighbors about the uh, property line. And uh, it's gone on for about a year now. And uh, his neighbor <laughs> uh, has built now a 250-foot wall of fertilizer <laughs> to separate the two properties. He says his uh, farmer neighbor built the wall uh, following this dispute normally. Uh, this would be something they would spread on their field, but instead he decided to make a fence out of it. He says that he has tenants living in his property uh, who now must deal with the smell of fertilizer every day. Local officials say nothing can be done about the uh, wall of poop as it is actually on his neighbor's property. So <laughs> whatever he wants, that is one way to get the last word in a property dispute for sure. Uh, Las Vegas police have arrested 53-year-old Andrew Greco. Uh, on Friday, he threatened to blow up McCarran Airport in uh, Las Vegas and kill people at Frontier Airlines after a ticket agent told him the bag that he wanted to check for his flight would cost $55. <laughs> he didn't want to pay the baggage fee, so he did what any reasonable person would do, I think. He threatened to blow up the airport and kill everyone at the airline. Well, of course. What else would you do? <clears throat> uh, ticket agent says the uh, man used vulgar language and gave her the middle finger. The next day, Frontier Airlines got multiple threatening calls to its customer service center uh, from the man uh, who made uh, similar complaints about the uh, company and its baggage policy. He also made numerous racial slurs and insults to the workers at the call center and threatened to kill them all. Police say there were also, additional non-specific threats to McCarran Airport itself. During an interview with the FBI, Mr. Greco told authorities he made the calls to the call center to try and get his money back. <laughs> Didn't he ever hear the old saying, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar? Um, he, wanted, he said he wanted to scare them into a response. Well, he got a response all right. He is being held on multiple charges, including an act... Uh, account of communicating a bomb threat, making a terroristic threat. The FBI takes those things very seriously. Don't do that. Um, Amy Wilhite, age 39, reported to the uh, Missouri to a county jail in Missouri after being busted for gun and narcotics charges back in February. Um. So she was reporting to her uh, jail sentence, but somehow she managed to sneak a loaded gun into the jail. How did she do it? <clears throat> well, she smuggled the four-inch revolver into the facility by uh, placing it inside her private parts. I kid you not. Uh, when feds raided her, the only reason that they found out about this, feds raided her home and police say they were unable to locate a North American arms revolver they knew she was in possession of, but they couldn't find it in her home. They couldn't find it on her person either, even after subjecting her to a pat-down and subsequent strip search when entering the jail facility. However, 17 days later, the firearm magically appeared in her cell, fully loaded with five rounds. She had that in her private... Um... <clears throat> Investigators deduced that Ms. Wilhite removed the firearm from a body cavity <laughs> and concealed it with her personal belongings. Uh, the gun was wrapped in plastic while it was being concealed, she did, they did say. 
When brought in for questioning, Ms. Wilhite initially denied the gun was hers, tried pinning it on another inmate by saying that she was only holding it for another female detainee. However, her inmate pals didn't back up her story. Imagine that. They didn't cover for her. Uh, Ms. Wilhite entered a plea deal and was sentenced to serve an additional 10 years in prison on a gun smuggling charge to run concurrently with her other 10-year sentence on felony drug and weapons counts. Nice. <laughs> that can be very dangerous. Smuggling a uh, firearm, especially in that particular manner. And finally, in the broken news this morning, the commander of a U.S. Army unit has resigned following the discovery of a wild birthday celebration while the uh, unit was deployed in Poland. Uh, this is a report out of Stars and Stripes. says that during the nine-month rotation in Poland, members of the 101st Combat Aviation Brigade embarked on a drunken escapade uh, in honor of their Sergeant Major's 40th birthday. At some point, a portion of the heavily intoxicated group went to an off-limits club known as Club Obsession, which is known for scamming customers out of money. The Major went AWOL for two days after allegedly being drugged and spending thousands of dollars on strippers at the club. <laughs> after military officials found out, several members of the unit faced disciplinary action and Lieutenant Commander Matthew Fix reportedly retired. <laughs> Is that what they called it? He retired. Well, if you're going to go out, go out with a bang. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. <laughs> Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile app for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Time for your daily download this morning. The numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. And let's be honest. This is something that everyone has wondered at one time or another. You can, maybe you admit it or not, but everybody has uh, asked this question at one point in their life. Australian researchers have finally found the answer to the burning question, how long is sex supposed to last? <laughs> they, said they actually did research on this. They got 500 couples to volunteer to be timed while doing, you know. <clears throat> and so what did they find? This is big news here. The most striking result, according to these Australian researchers, the most striking result is that there was a huge amount of variation. Uh, they uh, did not expect to uh, see such a wide range of times, the average time for each couple, that is, averaged across all the times that they had sex, ranged from 33 seconds to 44 minutes. That is a huge range. That is surprising. From 33 seconds to 44 minutes. That is an 80-fold difference from the minimum to the maximum. So it is clear, they say, they conclude from this, that there is no one normal amount of time to make love. The, uh, the median across all couples was 5.4 minutes. Now, there's a difference between the median and the average. You know, the average, you add them all up and divide by the number of... You know how averages work, right? It's a simple mathematical formula. Median means that if you line up the 500 couples from shortest to longest, the one right in the middle is the median. And that couple goes for an average of 5.4 minutes each time they do it. So now you know that is the that is quite a range uh, thirty three seconds to forty four minutes. Um, but the but the median 
uh, is 5.4 minutes. So there you have the answer to the question that everyone has wondered at one point or or another, whether you admit it or not, how long is sex supposed to last? (laughs) Well, I think we are all ready to get out and do things again. And uh, I know our next guest is Judy Cloud, organizer of the uh, Springtime in Ohio Art and Craft Show. And Judy, we were talking just before we went on the air. Uh, last year's Springtime Show did not happen. No. Uh, I, it was one of those, and I, as I was saying before we went on the air, uh, there's so many things that uh, happened and didn't happen and were scaled back and happened differently and, and so on that it's hard to keep track of them. But uh, Springtime in Ohio, you had the October show, but not the Spring show We had show the October year, show. So. We didn't have the Spring show. Yeah. And uh, like I was telling you, in March we had a show in Dayton, and that was right at the Right, right when everything on happened. that weekend. Right when everything, everything. happened. Everything, and so yeah. we had to cancel that the day before the oh, show. Oh my goodness! Was- so you, uh, I, of all people, are just uh, thrilled to death to be able to uh, uh, be back uh, at the uh, fairgrounds this weekend. I would imagine. Oh yes, I'm just happy because it's it's a good thing for all these small businesses to be Absolutely. able to get back out there. And yeah. Some of them, it'll be their first time, the first show back. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. So. And and like we said, the timing on it is great because uh, everybody, I think, is ready uh, mm-hmm. to get out and, and, you know, be social on some level again and, and do a little yeah. shopping. It's, it's the season. The weather is going to be absolutely perfect. So, yes, yeah, so first, I mean, that, like <laughs> I told um, Rex, I said, you can't control the weather. So <laughs> I, I always try not to look, but I was kind of getting a little <laughs> bit of a look, and everyone's telling me, so, yeah. I would imagine, because this is a rain or shine event. Correct. So you make a good point. I, I would guess that, yeah, since it's rain or shine, I would guess that you kind of say, I don't even want to know, but uh Well, but I have to kind of prepare, because it's like, do I need straw? Sure, do I need this? Right, you know, yeah. do I need... But you this know, is... all my gate workers, you know, worrying about them. <laughs> Absolutely. They love sunshine better or, you know, at least. Yeah. And and But this is going to be gorgeous, low 70s on Saturday, and they're talking upper 70s on, on Sunday. So it couldn't be, couldn't be better for this. Um, how many vendors, you mentioned that there are, you know, some of them will be out for the first time since all of this happened in more than right. a year. Uh, how many do you have signed up? I don't need to put you on the spot. No, but. that's fine. I mean, things are improving. Um, mm-hmm. We have about 220 exhibitors, and we'll be in the wow. nine buildings. Um, we do have some that are, you know, the ability to um, have extra space around them, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because of that, because normally, yeah. oh, I used that word. Um, normally. <laughs> <laughs> We have more. Seems like nothing. Yeah, is but normal, um, I mean, but that's a really yeah, good. I know. That's yeah, a no, really that good is. showing. Two hundred plus. I mean, that's uh, you know, exactly. plenty of plenty of shopping out there for uh, for folks. And uh, now we should mention that there will still be uh, the uh, protocols in place. Right. Exactly. So yes. We kind are. of go over that real quickly. Um, basically, the protocols are, of course, when you're going into a building, um, you know, the masking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is, want to keep everyone safe. We want to keep everyone safe. And, you know, if you see a building looks busy, like yeah. maybe go sit in the grandstands or go grab something to eat. Or, or maybe you know, one of the other buildings or something know, like that. You know, because groups of friends just, you know, stay together. And, you know, it's, just, it's, common, it's common sense. Yeah, what you're asking is common sense. Right, uh, some, exactly. Some help. And, and, and keeping in mind that, again, as we were talking about before we went on the air, uh, a lot of the vendors and many of the patrons are going to be older uh, they have obviously have uh, you know, other considerations, special considerations with yep. respect to this. So uh, it's just keeping uh, keeping your neighbor uh, in mind. Yeah, right, uh, exactly. Really what you're asking. You know, I believe outside, you know, you're going to be eating sure. and things like that. There'll be picnic tables all around the grandstands. Yeah. You see other little grandstands. I mean, all places you can just go and sit and eat. And, right, and you know, and. and Fortunately, we just uh, heard the uh, revised uh, guidance that if we're outside and, you know, we're 
properly distanced and we're not you know in a huge crowd on top of each other uh, then we uh, are pretty much safe those who have been vaccinated obviously uh, they are in in pretty good shape so this is going to be a a terrific event all the way around the timing last year the timing was not great this year the timing couldn't be better so and you brought uh, a big smile to my face when you said that about the cdc yeah we're we're thankful for that now give us all of the uh, details this is happening uh saturday and sunday and it all begins with the early bird on saturday yes our early bird is from eight to ten and we started that last year because of um all the different things due to the virus Mm -hmm. um and it gave people a little bit of a chance to know they'd be out there Mm -hmm. first and could get through buildings if they only wanted to be there that long um you need to get tickets for that online though okay yes the early bird because we have that limited and we are recommending the other hours to get your tickets too because we're kind of for staggered entries um and if you get a ticket for like 10 o'clock Okay. It doesn't mean you have to leave at eleven. It just means that yeah. we're you can kind of stagger control. and kind yeah. of that makes sense. you know and that um, makes sense. So that helps. We'll still be selling at the gate as well, but you know if it you does can get help. your tickets in advance, yeah, it does help. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, preferred. So uh, the early bird starts at eight, and then eight. the uh, regular uh, admission, the regular gate uh, opening time is at ten. 10 right. right. Okay. And then that runs until five o'clock. Five o'clock on Saturday. on Saturday. And then back on Sunday from when to when? From 11 to 4. Okay. And we usually kind of open a little bit earlier on Sunday, but, um, and if you come Saturday. Little inside information Little there. inside information. <laughs> um, we do give a, a ticket as you're going out the exit gate if you'd like to return on Sunday. Okay. So we're not doing hand stamps just for. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, again, just. And there'll be plenty of hand sanitizer. Plenty of hand sanitizer. And, and in addition to all of the crafters, you're going to have food. You're going to oh, have, uh, you know, you can go out and spend the entire day. And, and Oh, yeah. Uh, the, and come back the next day. <laughs> and there's plenty to see. So We have with, over 12, I think it's 23 food vendors. We also wow. have one of the scout troops will be out there in the little white building. Awesome. And um, they do a lot to help our exhibitors for deliveries and things like that. But. All different kinds of food. So this is at the uh, Hancock County Fairgrounds course. Correct. And uh, again, it is uh, this Saturday and Sunday, 33rd Annual uh, Springtime in Ohio Art and Craft Show. And that was the other thing I was looking at, 33rd Annual. So, you know, you're dating back to, what, the uh, late 80s. Uh, yeah, the, thank how, you. <laughs> how has, I, I'm just thinking, how has uh, that uh, evolved over the years? I mean, when you started... When I uh, this, could you have imagined that you'd still be going 33 years later? That part? <laughs> mm, I'm not sure, but I just think that, you know, as I got going, I saw the growth potential. Yeah. And How many, again, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do you remember how many vendors at that, at that first show? I actually have the flyer for that, but I would say around 100. <laughs> I was in the first four buildings. Really, 100. And it was ABC. Well, that's, that's what I bad. called them. Yeah, that's no. not bad for for the first one. Then the next year we added a tent. Then we kind of moved down the <laughs> the food row there to. Uh, um, so getting and yeah. growing every year. Yeah, growing every year. And then of course, awesome. all these growing pains are growing. You go through some other things like our pony rides won't be there this year, so mm-hmm. we're looking for a different one. And yeah. and our famous buttons. Um, the clown, she has passed away. So, yeah. you know, not on the sad level, but, you know, we do things, go through. So, things I know change. Things, things change, change and evolve. Things change. And we do have but some light is- entertainment out there too but uh but it's it's really fun when you when you think back uh over all of the years about how this has evolved and changed. Oh, yeah. it really become such a tradition for so many people so. yeah i mean my parents used to come out for it yeah I, and, I, I mean and they were a big part of it yeah. my mom still is but I, I yeah. know so many people look forward to this uh, every year. It's so excited that it is back. And, uh, again, it's become this uh, annual tradition. Springtime in Ohio uh, happening this weekend. We've got more information. Again, if you can get your tickets online in advance, uh, that is preferred. And we've got the uh, details uh, posted up on our webpage. You've got a Facebook page with all of that uh, info. Yeah, right? and I got one other thing. When I was in with Rex, it was yeah. kind of cute. He's talking about it. And the next thing you know... He's getting a text from his wife. Can we go in the morning? <laughs> oh, I've already had that conversation with my wife. Already had that conversation with my wife. Uh, Judy Cloud, uh, again with us uh, this morning. Springtime at Ohio coming up this weekend. Judy, thanks very much. For thank you very much. Look thank you very much, Chris. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the show. Remember, you can get more information 
about all of the topics that we talk about this morning and every morning at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media. Uh, Shoot us an email if there's something you want to share directly. Sign up for our daily email newsletter and more. It all starts at the website, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, wrap up the week, many of us have spent the past year reflecting on the things that are truly important and looking back on our life story. And every one of those stories deserves to be told. Now, it can be. This is something you will not want to miss until tomorrow morning. That is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.